Hello and welcome to Beauty Island, the beauty podcast that celebrates life and lipstick. I'm your host, beauty journalist Brittany Stewart, and each episode I sit down with a guest to ask them about the eight beauty products that have a special memory or meaning for them that they take to a desert island or beauty island that I am sending them off to. Maybe it's the product that reminds them of their mum, the one that defined their teens, or the perfume that instantly sparks a memory of a special place or person. Along the way, we find out more about their life, career, and the people and events that have shaped them into who they are today. Today, my guest is Megan Larson, founder of skincare brand Sadashi, an Australian skincare brand that pioneered premium and organic skincare well before it became a trend. You'll now find Sadashi in some of the most exclusive spas all over the world. So how did it go from mixing product in Megan's kitchen to the Four Seasons in Paris? Listen on to find out more. Plus, the power of transcendental meditation and the important lessons from her great book, Startups and Self-Care, that every entrepreneur needs to hear. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe if you haven't already, rate five stars, and if you have a spare 30 seconds, write a review. It means the world to me when I read your lovely comments about what you love about Beauty Island, and it also helps other people find the podcast too. Now, over to Megan. Enjoy. All right, Megan, welcome to Beauty Island. I'm very excited to have you on here. Now, as the founder of Sadashi, obviously the focus is on body and skincare products, but I'm curious, do you enjoy the makeup side of beauty too? I don't think I enjoy it as much, or maybe I don't use it as much as I did when I was in my 20s. But I think, you know, my makeup when used correctly is a lovely way to enhance our beautiful features. And you grew up in New Zealand, I believe. What were kind of your early years and and teens like living there? I grew up in, in quite a small town in New Zealand. So my teens involved riding around on my push bike and doing so with friends we had a beautiful river at the end of our road so we would go down there and and swim and jump off ropes in the summer it was a lot of outdoors my mother was a single parent so we didn't have a lot of money we needed to make our own fun and we needed to do that fairly economically And then from the age of 13, I worked as as part-time, you know, mostly weekends and occasionally after school because I wanted to have my own money. So that hard-working ethic was instilled right from the start, really? Yes. Well, well, maybe. I'm not sure whether it was hard-working that was instilled, but if I wanted to get things that I wanted, then I needed to find the resources to do so. So I think certainly um, that was what drove me in the early years. Now, the first product on your list is is from your teens, which is an, a habit that was instilled in you by your mum, which is just, it's no wonder that you have such amazing skin now, given that you were cleansing and moisturising since you were 13. And I think it may have been kind of Shiseido products that you started with. But can you tell me about about that that habit and, and what your mum instilled in you with that? I think she probably saw, saw that, like a lot of teenagers, I was getting a few blemishes. And she, I, I can't remember if it was for my 13th birthday or part of my 13th birthday or shortly after, but I still remember her saying, 
I want you to come into the bathroom with me because I want to show you how to look after your skin. And it was just a cleanser and just a moisturiser. And I remember the cleanser was quite milky. And she showed me how to apply it and how to take it off and then to moisturise my face. And, and sketchingly, but I can kind of remember that we discussed how often I should do this. And she said to me that I needed to do it every day. And if I was really good, maybe twice a day. <laughs> and I do, look, you know, to be really honest, I, I do believe that my mother is such a stickler for routine. She would have got me in the routine at that age. It wouldn't have come naturally for me every day to be doing it since that particular time. But she did, and she would always say to me, you know, have you cleansed and moisturised your skin? And then I started to see that blemishes, I used to get them on my, my chin and my forehead, and the blemishes were going away. So I thought, okay, well, this is worth it. I read that you went straight from school into working in a pharmacy, which is really interesting. Mm. How did that kind of inform what you ended up doing and was that kind of the point when you realised or decided that beauty could kind of become part of what you do as a career? Absolutely. Beauty as part of what I did as a career. But I, look, I didn't love school. It really wasn't my jam. It wasn't my thing. I remember talking to my mother about it and she said, well, you need to stay at school until you finish. I don't know what, what the equivalent is here, but I needed to stay at school until I was past 16 and do my first round of exams. And so we I was very clear on that. And she also said to me, you can't leave school until you have a job. So I thought about my little passion for, for beauty. And I think in those days it might have been a bit more makeup than beauty, to be really honest. And I went and walked around to all of the pharmacies in the in the town that I lived in and just said that I wanted a job and that I would be leaving school in a few months and I was hoping it would be full time. Wow. So I, yeah, I did. I started in pharmacy and, um, and as it turned out, I started working with a compounding pharmacist who was just fantastic because he would make all sorts of preparations, um, so creams that would have um, herbs and, and things added to them. And so I got to see that in action. Little did I know that, you know, some nearly 20 years later that would, that would really pay off. <laughs> and how long were you doing that for? Because I know then you also have got on to study you know, beauty therapy, natural health care and, and aromatherapy. So how did that kind of evolve? I recall that I would have been working at the pharmacy for about a year and a half. And then I had seen an advertisement about a beauty therapy school in Sydney called Madam Corner. And I started to talk to my mother about it. And I do recall her saying to me, I think it's a great idea. I'm a little bit nervous about you going to Sydney, but I think it's really great if you're thinking further than what you're doing now. And we looked at a potential college in Auckland, and at the time there was only one, and it wasn't. I wasn't really so sure about it. So this course was six months, and 
really, I think, you know, I don't know what my mother thought at the time. We've talked about it since. And she has said, look, I really didn't expect that you would go there and not come back for some years. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I did. I came to study. And then after study, I found myself not really wanting to do that as a full-time career. And then I know that also you are very passionate, and this is something that we will talk about a bit more later, about transcendental meditation when did you discover the kind of spiritual side of things if if that's if that's part of it for you look I think I grew up with spirituality I had very unusual background in many ways I had a grandmother who was inherently um, spiritual she was you know she was also an avid churchgoer and and she would go to church every weekend as I did growing up But she also meditated and she, I remember talking to her in my 30s about it and she said she'd been meditating at that stage for over 20 years. So it was her form of meditation. And her twin sister, my great aunt, they were also incredibly spiritual. So, you know, we would have conversations at, you know, family dinners that probably would be quite different to what the normal were having in those years. <laughs> and speaking of your grandmother is is linked to the second product on your list, which is a product that you used to watch her apply growing up, which is a bit of an iconic one, which is Pond's cold cream. Can you tell yeah. me about that? I can. I still remember. I can see the jar very vividly. And she had she had a beautiful little seat at her dressing table. And when I would stay with her, I can remember walking past her room in the morning or evening and I would see her sitting at her seat applying cold cream to her face. And there, and I always felt like she was sort of massaging it into her skin. She did have absolutely beautiful skin and wore, uh, I think my grandmother might have worn a little bit of powder and lipstick. That's all I ever recall her wearing in terms of makeup. She applied this Pond's cold cream. I remember sneaking in there one day when I was very young and lifting the lid on it (laughs) and looking at it and thinking, wow, it's really quite thick. (laughs) (laughs) I was too scared to put my fingers in it, though. (laughs) Didn't want to go that far. (laughs) You began making your own skincare products. I think it was in your kitchen when in Western Australia in the early 1990s, which was kind of the start of Sadashi. But what was the catalyst for that? It was fueled by a few things. I, at the time, was running a health shop and I had studied natural therapies and I had also studied aromatherapy and essential oils were a great passion of mine and I I could really see the benefit of using them wisely but using them for skin and body care. And also my skin is really... I think maybe, you know, over the years, but it's very, very sensitive. And I couldn't, I hadn't really been able to find a product that I loved using on my skin, but also it felt like it was making a difference, that it was, you know, helping to slow down signs of aging and and really look after my skin. And so I had been to the south of France, to Provence for the first time and done some aromatherapy studies there and and spoken to some of our lecturers about essential oils and skincare and asked, you know, was anyone really doing it? And no one at this stage was really doing essential oils and skincare or cosmetics. So 
I thought, well, I'm going to go back to Australia and I'm going to practice and see if I can do this. So I did, and and I loved what I was making. I, I just put it on my skin and it felt amazing. So I also found I had a market for that through my natural health store as well. And as you mentioned, Sadashi has and continues to be, has always been 100% natural ingredients. What were the challenges of creating something like that when it wasn't so common? Obviously, more recently, we've seen the rise of of natural beauty, but you really were a a pioneer in that space. You know, it had a lot of challenges because, first of all, I didn't have the the joys of the internet to find and, and research ingredients. So it was all done by phone, landline, connected (laughs) um and and meeting suppliers and growers um which you know looking back I think is wonderful because I have some amazing relationships that we have had for over 20 years now and they're incredibly they're good growers you know they're they're very ethical providers so that would have been one of my greatest challenges also you know, natural skincare really wasn't really around. So a lot of my ingredients, I was relying almost on food grade rather than cosmetic grade. So for preservatives, I started using preservatives that were typically used in in natural health and well-being. Now, I mean, it's completely different and, and I'm so glad it is because it was extremely challenging. Um, But at the same time, it also made me very innovative and very creative. So I didn't have suppliers of ingredients coming to me and saying, okay, well, you can use this and this is how you're going to use it. I just had to work it all out for myself. It it kind of fueled me with a passion and a purpose, so it was okay. And obviously, Sadashi isn't just natural skincare. It's this unique combination or at its time was a unique combination of premium and organic skincare. Do you think, having said that we've talked about the challenges of doing it when you did, do you think it would be easier or harder to launch Sadashi in the current landscape? Yeah, that's a re- I, I sometimes do reflect on that. I think in many ways, easier and harder. Easier because when we launched Sadashi, we were trying to educate people about the benefits of natural and people just couldn't comprehend it. Like, you know, that that was just not something that was on many people's radar. So I think in many ways that would now be easier because natural is really, it's almost mainstream. Well, it is mainstream. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and that was my dream 20 years ago, that it would be, that, that the world would change the way it viewed skincare and want to use natural and I think in terms of how many brands are out there like I know I think we all see many brands there's probably hundreds popping up every week so would that make it harder I'm I'm not sure there's still some very very successful brands that are being born these days so it's a it's a hard one to call third product on your list is the product that defined your teens which is Maybelline mascara can you tell me about that (laughs) I can now 
let's just keep in mind that in my teens, it was the 80s. So, well, my teens were, were 70s and 80s. So makeup featured fairly strongly in the early 80s. And I don't think it was just one coat of mascara either. I think it was possibly two, maybe even three. Yeah. But yes, makeup, definitely. I look back in photos that I find, like my 21st or, you know, photos like that, and I look at the makeup on my face and I think, my gosh, what was I thinking? (laughs) (laughs) And would this have been Maybelline Great Lash, kind of the iconic one, or do you remember? I think it was. I remember when it came out and it was all about the wand, so it probably was something like that. If I, you know, a, a couple of months after buying it, it would always go a little bit thick and gluggy. So then, you know, if you weren't careful, you could really end up with some severe lashes. Sadashi is now found in some of the most exclusive spas, and I think it's over 25 countries worldwide. And, you know, the Four Seasons in Paris, to name drop just one. How did we go from you creating those products in your kitchen to to, to being there? I would say like any any business owner or any startup business owner, and I, I do write about this in, in my book because I think determination, resilience, all of those inner strength qualities are what does help you to put your business out there. And then for me... I believe that connections are really important. So people that I have met over the years have really helped, probably to help me. Once they have experienced Sadashi or heard about Sadashi, they've had a desire to help me to grow the business. And that has been wonderful. I I still recall the first spa we went into, which was in Bangkok. And that came about because we were at a trade show and a spa director found us and, and asked about putting our products into Bangkok. I think in those days, and, you know, to be honest, I I now have an incredible team of people at Sadashi who do many of these things. But when I was first starting out, I was doing a lot of this. And I remember just the registration process to get our products registered for the Thailand market was such a big deal. So for us, I do believe, looping back to your question, is a lot of it has been word of mouth that has really helped us to grow our business. And what do you think it is particularly about Sadashi products that really makes it so perfect? I mean, you think about why you go to these spas, you go to relax, to treat yourself. It's a very luxurious experience. So what do you think it is particularly about Sadashi products that makes it so perfect for that that feeling i think because and actually i believe it's because not only do they treat the skin they also treat the well-being so you know when when you're applying products to your skin and your body that have a really great impact on your mood and your emotional level and how you feel for me that's treating the body as a whole and we really try to do that. So so the skin is definitely one component, but every Sadashi product, I wanted to, to really look after the whole person. The fourth product on your list is the one that gives you your signature look, and you mentioned that it's been very helpful since living in Sydney, which is the Avida Smooth Infusion Style Prep Smoother. So tell me a bit more about why you love this. Well, when I don't use it, my partner calls me Doris Day because I get the... <laughs> 
little flick up. I don't know. Many many people listening to your podcast probably don't know who Doris Day is, but she had a, a signature bob that flicked out rather than went under. So I think I love this product because it just helps to keep my hair from being attacked by the Sydney humidity. Very important in Sydney. Having lived there for yeah. a year and having curly hair, I know it all too well. <laughs> Yes, it goes. It takes its own direction. <laughs> oh, yes, a life of its own. Another thing that's always been core to the Sadashi brand is transparency in ingredients. And I mean, you go on the website and I don't think I've been on another website where it's so easy and so prominent, the ingredients, exactly what is in the products that you're about to put on your face or body. And we know that consumers are being uh, are so much more interested in, and passionate about about that information. Do you think that it is an issue that some brands haven't always been so open about the ingredients? And it, I mean, you talk about the kind of ingredients. There's there's long names. It can be quite a confusing process, even working out what is in the products yeah, that you're sure. using. I do recall when we started Sadashi. It, for me, it was just a number one that every ingredient needed to be listed on the label. And my thought process behind that was because, like my very sensitive skin, there's possibly going to be a lot of other people out there with very sensitive skin. And if they have an ability and can read a label because it's not too confusing, so we always put the common name and the inky name on there, then it would at least help them to know if there was an ingredient in there that's also natural, but people still can have, you know, allergies. So I guess I have just always had this full transparency policy. And, you know, it's interesting in our industry because I think, think more and more as the natural skincare industry and organic skincare industry has developed, I think more and more, you know, companies are putting their their lists of ingredients but I would always say if anyone if any new skincare company was starting out I would say look just just be simple just list all your ingredients it's going to make it easier for every one of your consumers and it's just the right thing to do as you kind of mentioned there beauty and wellness has kind of grown it's kind of grown beyond our makeup and beauty cabinets now it's it's a kind of, as you've always lived, it's almost a lifestyle of, of, of natural and, and organic beauty. And I know that Sadashi has a, a home and lifestyle section on their website and you mentioned the oil blends before. And so I'd love to know a bit, a bit more about why that was such an important part of the Sadashi range and, and why you think those have become increasingly more popular? I think, well, lifestyle products really do allow people to, well, it helps them embrace a natural and a healthy lifestyle. I think the way we live, the way we nurture our our skins and our bodies radiates in our in our skin. So I do believe a lot of beauty is, you know, from the inside, but also from our emotions, from our mood. Certainly if, you know, when you've gone don't know if you ever have, but I know I've had moments where I've gone through especially starting a business where it's been quite difficult and quite challenging. And I do see the effects of that showing in my skin. So I like to think with Sadashi, we're just, we really are trying to treat 
holistically. We're trying to treat it as a whole. The fifth product on your list is your greatest discovery, Holy Grail. And I think we could probably say even kind of instead of greatest discovery or also greatest creation because it is one of Sadashi's products. It's the Sadashi's Samadara Ultimate Age-Defying Face Cream. Can you tell me more about this product and, and why it's so special? I'll tell you the, the real story. I don't, I don't know how many people know this, so let's, let's tell you the real story. This product initially started out just after my twin nieces were born, which was nearly 16 years ago. They, one of them developed a bit of eczema. And my sister-in-law contacted me and said, could you please make something for me? Now, of course, it being my nieces, there was going to be no expense spared and I (laughs) really was determined that it was going to be the best eczema cream ever created. So I went into my lab and I, I mixed something up and shortly after my partner at the time was also experiencing a little bit of a skin problem and so I said to him, look, Try, try this cream and within a couple of months of him using this cream not only did it help his skin but what I noticed was that the elasticity in his skin was really changing he through a variety of he had a lot of allergies and his the skin and the elasticity in his skin was quite what I would call a bit slack and I just started to notice that it was really firming it up and plumping it And I said to him, what are you using on your skin? And he said, I'm not using anything except that cream you gave me. I thought, gosh, this is amazing. (laughs) So (laughs) then I, um, next time I made some, I thought, well, I need some of this. (laughs) So (laughs) I made some for myself. And then I just kept perfecting it and perfecting it. It took me nearly five years to put it out on the market because sometimes I think that you know, maybe I've gotten my way, my own way, but to say something's age-defying, for me, it really has to be. I want someone to use that product and really see transformation in their skin. And so, yeah, the perfectionist in me probably took over a bit there. And we finally put it out to market. And I just, I think it's just an amazing cream. Incredible. As you mentioned, you are the, you wrote a book last year, Startups and Self-Care. Why this book at this time? What was the the reasoning behind that? Or what inspired you? One, I wanted to write a book. And two, I really thought about my own journey. And I thought about there really is a lot of people in startup phase out there at the moment. And I thought about the things from my own experience of my startup and how the self-care, we mentioned Transcendental Meditation earlier, but the the aspects of self-care that I used. And when I used them diligently, and I'm not saying that I certainly wasn't wasn't perfect all the time. Sometimes um, I was overcome with just doing too much. But when I really adopted the value of self-care in my startup life, I found that I had the strengths and the and the resilience and and the balance that I needed to be to make a successful business. So I thought I need to write about this. I need to share my story. And I do believe that writing a book is also as much for the author as it is for the person who's going to read it. Because little did I know how much I was going to go through in writing that book. Because you really, you know, you're going back in history. So you're really reliving 
a lot of what you experienced. Absolutely. And, and that's what I was going to ask. Obviously, a lot of authors describe writing a book exactly as you said. Was there anything that surprised you reflecting on your story going back or, or moments that you had forgotten about? Yes, many moments that I'd forgotten about. And also, I realised in writing it that there were some issues that I'd experienced at various times in my life that I thought I had really grown through and dealt with. But I think writing the book just allowed me to really put them put them at end, you know, really resolve them totally. And were they moments related to, to Sadashi in the business or, or otherwise? Yes, both actually. Sadashi in the business and my own personal years. But some... You know, I think any business owner would agree that it can be really, when you're in startup mode, I I was really fueled, I was definitely fueled with passion and I write about that. I, I knew what my purpose was and I was very, very driven and a lot of my, my business was really developing in my early 40s and I was really, really strong and determined And sometimes I look back and and think about some of the interactions that I had in the early days with people. And I think now I'm in that position where I look back and I think I could have handled that better. You know, it's, it's just that whole way you've matured and developed where you have that ability now to yeah just look at things slightly differently so hopefully there weren't too many people scarred out there (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there were at the moment I feel like we're seeing a lot more of a culture of the girl boss side hustle which is which is incredible and empowering and great but the other side of that which you, you touch on in the book obviously is this this idea of in that startup phase as an entrepreneur it's about working 24 7 and then kind of looking after yourself definitely falls by the wayside. The message of the book that self-care is so important for everyone, but particularly people who are in that that phase. What is self-care to you? Look, I think self-care is a lot of things. I don't make a mood out of self-care. I think self-care is something really deep and quite genuine. And it can be as much as just taking those few extra minutes in the morning to sit and eat your breakfast mindfully. It doesn't need to involve a lot of time and it doesn't need to take over your life. But really, it is to support the person that you are and the person that you're going to be out in the world. And so I have used many different modalities for that. I've used everything from from my meditation to Bowen therapy to acupuncture to all sorts of real modalities. But then also I think self-care is also self-belief and self-worth and it's learning to be vulnerable when when you really or having the courage to be vulnerable it's having that mindset where you feel I am enough all of those aspects are self-care so I think people each individual I think we all find our own little groove in that we all find what it is we need to care for ourselves but I do overriding everything. I do believe that when we really care deeply for ourselves and really nourish ourselves, we're putting our best version of ourselves out in the world and we're able to care deeply and nourish others. That's such a encapsulates everything. It's such a fantastic attitude, particularly because I feel like as we've talked more about self-care in the last year, it's kind of become a bit more about, oh, you know, self-care is a face mask and that will fix everything. Self-care is 
staying in one night and that will fix everything. But it's like you said, it's so, so much more than that. And it is in, in individual as well. Sure. But it's definitely, for me, it's the way, you know, it's my life. And I do think, look at, you know, maybe a false face mask. If you're, if you're feeling a bit flat or your skin's looking a bit flat, maybe a face mask is just a, a beautiful act of self-care. But it's not the only thing. I think it is definitely much deeper. I want to talk a little bit more about the transcendental meditation that we've touched on previously. Right. Because obviously it's yes. something that you you are very passionate about as you said it's part of your self-care and I read that it's also it's something that you are so passionate about that it's also something that all Sadashi employees have the chance to do as well yes that that started at the beginning of Sadashi really and it started because of an employee that I had at the time she came to me one day and she said I want what you have I want that beautiful sense of calm when it's just a really choppy ocean outside (laughs) and I I looked at her probably a little bit aghast actually and said what do you mean and she said you just seem, you always seem so calm, even when there's a storm brewing. So I talked to her about the meditation, about transcendental meditation. She said, I'd really like to learn. And after she learned, I remember her then saying to me, you know, it would be really nice if you offered this to other staff as they come to work at Sadashi. And so we did from that day. And just my general manager just told me a few months ago, he said, you realize you've taught just over 75 people to learn transcendental meditation now. Amazing. So I, I, I was very proud of that. So it's such a, it's a beautiful technique as, a, as an employer you get the benefits because I do believe your employees do have a a nice sense of calm, but also it supports them in their lives so that it helps to dissolve unneeded stress in the physiology, which we can all do with. Definitely. And how long have you been practicing it? I learned in 1995. So I have been, yes, a long time now, (laughs) 24 years coming up. the moment you considered Sadashi a success the first moment that you felt successful I think for me when I felt Sadashi was a success when I saw our products having a positive effect on people's skin and their sense of well-being and that when Sadashi would and still does when we go into a spa around the world or in Australia, the feedback that we get from the therapists who are using the products as well. So for me, that was definitely when I felt like Sadashi was a success. I mean, that was the first thing that I wanted to achieve. But I think myself personally, you know, for me, I felt that it's successful because it's allowed me to really do what I wanted to do. And, and my dream 20 years ago was that people would want to use natural skincare products. People would, the, the world would change and would see that that would be the normal and that spas would also want to use natural products. So I feel like we've been successful on those fronts. Definitely, most definitely. Now, the sixth product on your list 
is a perfume that has special uh, a special memory or meaning or, or story for you. So can you tell me about your chosen perfume and the story behind it? I mean, this was something that I really had to think about because I am not a big wearer of perfume, but a perfume that holds a special memory for me is Fiji Perfume by Guy LaRoche because my mother always wore this. And I felt when she put this perfume on that it just brought out a beautiful feminine softness in her when she wore it. But my special perfume, a number of years ago, I had the absolute delight of visiting the Esparta Valley in Turkey and helping the woman there pick the roses in the morning. And then they go to the distillery where they're distilled. And I'm talking not just you know, one little field of roses. It was, you know, hundreds and thousands of rose blooms. Oh, wow. And I actually, he had what you would call a pit of kind of like the secondhand rose blooms. So they wouldn't, they weren't the quality good enough to distill. And he allowed all of us to just play in these rose blooms. And the the smell and the aroma of these blooms was, I think we were all just high on the smell (laughs) because there was a lot of giggling. But since that day, my favourite thing has been to add rose, pure rose essential oil, which is very, very expensive, into some jojoba oil and wear it as a perfume. And then I think the world of perfumery is so interesting. There's a lady that I, I got to meet last year in a small village just outside of Nice called St. Paul de Vence. And Sonia Godet there is creating some really, really beautiful perfumes using really pure ingredients. So it's an interesting world, the world of perfumery. It definitely is. And I think that's, it's just incredible, not just perfume, but just the way that scent evokes memories and and nostalgia. Speaking of travel, you do travel quite a bit for for work and, and pleasure. Is that part of your job or or your life you enjoy? Look, I do enjoy traveling. Sometimes, you know, I'm sure anyone you ask who's traveling for work, it can be it can be challenging. I think um, when I first started traveling for work, I used to put a lot of pressure on myself. I would go to a new country or a new city and I would think, oh gosh, I've got to get out there. I've got to explore everything. And then one day I just realized, Megan, you're an introvert. You're just exhausting yourself. What you actually need to do when you travel for work is go to places and really refuel, take the time out. So I do all my work and these days I'm happy to go back to, to my hotel room and re-energize. But I do, each year generally I go to the beautiful Provence where the lavender is in is in bloom and I co-host an event there called Treasures of Provence with a company outside of Melbourne actually called Aroma Tours and that is just absolute heaven. We started this tour just last year prior to that and I still do go and teach aromatherapy with them in, in Provence but this Treasures of Provence is something new. And just watching everyone's faces come alive when they're in the lavender fields. These women just, you know, we're all women of various ages, but everyone just becomes a child in the <laughs> lavender fields. And closer to home, what does a perfect 
Sunday look like to you? Generally a little bit of a sleeping and probably going out and, and having breakfast and just rolling through a day. No particular plan. If I want to sit and read a book, that's good. If my partner's children are with us because we have them every um, every second week, we might go and do a family activity. But my perfect Sunday is no plans. <laughs> And being at home. And who is someone who has really shaped you, either personally or professionally? I I think I have a few people. I you know I'm a quote person. Like I really love quotes. So I would say many of those have, have probably shaped me. I'd say my mother has definitely had an impact on me and a beautiful impact. She's an incredibly kind and and generous person with a very nurturing nature, and. She really did teach me the gift of resilience, but at the same time having having strength and vitality and independence. I'm a huge fan of Brené Brown and and her The Call to Courage that's just that on Netflix. If anyone hasn't watched that, please watch it. In fact, over Easter I I got to watch Homecoming by Beyonce and and Brené Brown's to courage and both incredibly inspiring. I was going to say, you'd be um, feeling very empowered this weekend. I was. A few years ago, actually, Business Chicks brought Brene Brown out to Australia and there was, we had, we were given the opportunity to uh, to have five minutes with Brene. Naturally, we paid for it, but we had five minutes with her. And so I chose to take this because at the time I was just, I was at a little bit of a crossroads. I had moved from Perth to Sydney, relocated, and I was sort of finding, I was kind of trying to find my way again. It's quite hard to move away from your business that you've just been so all in with. And I had this five minutes with her and it was incredibly transformational. And really helped to just, yeah, put put some clarity into my mind that I was missing. So I would say that she's had a pretty big influence, actually. Yeah, and like her, I've, I've really struggled with vulnerability over the years because when I was growing up, you know, we were really not given vulnerability as a gift. It was it was being vulnerable was, was weak. And so I think... It's been nice to be in a world where to be vulnerable is actually to be courageous. Mm. Now, anyone who knows you or just knows what you do, the seventh product in your list will come as no surprise or collection of products, which are the ones that you use for your at-home spa routine. Can you tell me <laughs> tell me about this because it sounds uh, heavenly? My at-home spa routine. I, this is something, when I was growing up, I used to always have a bath on a Sunday night. It was just my thing. And my brother used to be a terror because there would be times where I'd be lying in the bath and all of a sudden the cold hose would come through the bathroom window. (laughs) So it it possibly wasn't the greatest beauty at home routine then or spa routine. But nowadays I love a bath. I it always involves some essential oils because I just I love the powers of essential oils and aromatherapy. I always like to put some of Sadashi's vitamin rich oil in there and, and usually some of our body salts. And I've usually got my my hair back and I've got my my face mask on and my eye mask on and and candle burning, a bit of music going and I'm I have been known to be in the bath for longer than an hour. And I am lucky I have that luxury. So I'm very fortunate. But that's definitely 
one of my favourite at-home spa routines and it's and I think it's gorgeous because if anyone has a bath, it's an easy thing to do. When it comes to the Sadashi range of products, I mean, how many, mm-hmm. as a rough guide, how many products, Sadashi products are there now? Be close to 100 is... Yes, there is. And and in retail, we have, you know, we have different categories in retail, but close to 60 products in our retail range. And when it comes to new products, where do you get the inspiration from? And, and you kind of touched on it on before, but I think I always think it's so interesting to, to kind of find out how long it really takes from concept and idea to kind of holding the product, seeing it on the mm. shelf or holding it in your hand. My inspiration for products comes from comes in many ways because I do I really enjoy the team having some input the Sadashi team I because I'm at spas I will often take the time to to talk with therapists or people working in the spas sometimes I will just have an idea that I feel that this is what you know a direction that that skincare is going in or or I feel like there's a, a gap in the market. The recent, most recent product that we released was our Body Brilliance Cream, which has been winning all sorts of awards and people absolutely adore this cream. But my inspiration came because we were sent from a grower in Madagascar. We were sent some amazing vanilla essential oil and I smelt it and it was just the most beautiful vanilla essential oil I've ever smelt and I said okay we need to create a product around (laughs) this this is going to be something that's really nourishing and nurturing and it has a, a very calming effect on the body at the same time it's it's very nourishing and it's not like a synthetic vanilla it's like a, a beautiful vanilla pod that you might smell. Mm. So, but I do, I always feel quite inspired when I'm in Provence each year. I think just to, as you you were saying before, you know, the link between the, the sense of smell and what that does to our brain and our, and our, has, has the effect on us. That really does get my creative juices flowing. What is next for Sadashi in 2019 or what what is something exciting that's happening or what are your your goals for this year for the brand? We do have some more products that will be coming out Very exciting. Uh, this year and we are starting to think next year is our 20th anniversary. Incredible. So we're starting to get all of our creative juices flowing at Sadashi about how we're going to celebrate 20 years in this beautiful industry. Now we've come to the final product on your list the eighth product is the one that you always repurchase and I'm very curious about this which is the lipospheric vitamin c can you tell me a bit more about this yes um I can tell you a lot about this (laughs) I love this product about five years ago a dear friend of mine told me about this product and because vitamin c is so important for the body um, but it can also be quite hard for us to absorb so this uh, this lipospheric vitamin c really does absorb well into both our cells and easily with our digestive system but for me having radiant skin is really a combination of looking after yourself on the inside as well as the outside 
And these convenient sachets are easy to travel with. And the vitamin C is so important to help produce collagen. And that's a, a protein that's responsible to give us a firm, youthful-looking skin. The thing that I really noticed when I started first started taking the Lipospherics vitamin C was I also felt that the the few little aches that I was starting to get in my joints just from age, <laughs> unfortunately, went away. And I feel, I just also feel quite, it, it's just easy to take. You know, some vitamin C you take and it can be quite hard on the stomach. So this is just nice and, and calming. Lots yes. of benefits. And, and how do you actually take it? Do you, do you mix it with it's, something? Or? I, I just put the sachet. It's just, it's like a, it's almost a little bit oily, but I just take the sachet out and it's a liquid and I put it in a little bit of water and just take it that way. When I give it to my partner, he says, oh, it's funny tasting, but <laughs> I don't think it's funny tasting. <laughs> now, you mentioned earlier that you are quite a quote person. You, It's great for, for guidance and inspiration and things. If you had to pick one quote or piece of advice that you've been given or even a lesson that you've learned that you kind of live your life by what would it be oh I think it would be Maya Angelou it would be it's I've learned that people will forget what you said people will forget what you did but people will never forget how you made them feel I think that's my favorite quote it's a brilliant one that one so true now you've talked us through the eight products that have a special memory or meaning for you and now it's the hard question if you could pick just just one of them to take with you to beauty island to keep you company it doesn't have to be practical it can just be the one that you love the story or or the feeling or the ritual whatever the reason which one of your eight products would you pick to take with Oh, I would take the Samadara Ultimate Age Defying Cream without a doubt. I'm on an I'm on an island. My skin is going to dry out. I need that cream, but I need I need a bigger jar than just fifty grams. I need a really big jar. <laughs> a jumbo jar you will have. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking to me today. It has been such a delight hearing about your products and and learning more about your incredible life and journey. It's just been. I'm also feeling very empowered and inspired by our talk today. Well, thank you, Brittany. And I think what you're doing in your Beauty Island podcast is incredibly inspiring too. So thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beauty Island. You can find all the details of where to find Megan, Sadashi and buy her great book if you are interested too in the show notes of this episode. And if you fancy chatting more beauty, you can find me on Instagram at Beauty Island Podcast or my personal beauty account at Brittany Beauty BTS or you can send me an email beautyislandpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you and until next time, bye bye.